welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. I am so delighted to be here today. I am have already started this really interesting conversation with Bridget Murphy. And turns out, we go back. <laughs> we got on and we're like, you, hey. And uh, we have been traveling in the same spiritual circles for probably like 30 years or something. <laughs> A while. So I am really delighted to bring my guest. Bridget Murphy is a leading expert in transformational healing, a shamanic practitioner, healing catalyst, and equity-centered coach. She's been in a relationship with her own sacred helpers as well as physical teachers for 20-plus years. She developed the sacred listening method and empowers people to shift their consciousness through deep listening and communicating with their soul. Bridget is the creator of Soul Path Programs, the Healers Collective, in-depth group immersions, and one-on-one transformational healing experiences where she encourages the practice of spiritual growth. Welcome, Bridget. I'm so glad you are here. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, I can only imagine how interesting this conversation is going to be today. So as I was saying to you before we got on, you know, we turned on the microphone or turned on the recorder, I um, always love to start at the beginning. And I love to start with like, what was your experience like as a younger, highly sensitive, empathic person? Um, You know, like, when did you discover you were this way? Like, you know, tell me about your childhood. So I just always love starting with that. So Can you tell us a little bit about your experience as a sensitive person and what childhood was like or whatever else feels like the right thing to talk about? Sure. Thank you. Yes. My childhood was intense. Mm. (laughs) It was was a long time before I realized how sensitive I was. I think my mother realized how sensitive I was, although I don't think she knew all the implications of what those sense, you know, what what it meant to have a really sensitive kid. I was highly energetic as, mm. a, as a baby and a toddler, always moving, always dancing, and picking up. I would I picked up a lot of the energy around me and sort of spun it around. You know, um, I didn't know that I was doing that, but that's what I was doing. Um, the could energy- you? I'm sorry. Before we go any further, I'm really curious about. What does it look like to spin energy around? Like, could you for like, tell us what that, like, what was it? What did it appear to be like? It appeared, it appeared, if you would look at me in a lot of movement, I Mm. moved around a lot. I danced a lot. I was, it it would have been diagnosed as hyperactivity. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. Really, I was bringing energy in around me and moving it through me. Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah, so that was happening very early on. And I also had a natural proclivity towards putting myself into altered states. I would um, do this practice 
of rolling my head back and forth. I'd lay down on the ground and roll my head back and forth for hours. And I was putting my, I was calming my nervous system and I was putting myself into a meditative state, into like a daydream state. And no one showed me how to do it. My body just naturally did it because my body knew how to kind of calm itself. I'm just listening to you and my mouth is open as I'm hearing you say this because I'm thinking about two techniques that I've learned. One is this technique that actually Sylvia, who you and I were talking about, um, taught me that's called the recapitulation that involves the moving of your head to retrieve energy from the past and bring it into the present, like to retrieve parts of ourselves that are that were lost. And it literally involves that rolling of your head. But then also, um, many years ago, there was this healer named Emily Conrad, I believe you'd say her last name is Duad, like it's a very hard last name to say. And she had this program called Continuum, and it was all about accessing the um, sort of like the the wave within our nervous system, the rhythm within our nervous system and within our spinal fluid. And that kind of moving was a big part of like tuning into the micro movements of our nervous system and moving there. So as you're speaking, I'm like you're this tiny, tiny little person and you're already locked into things that experts have discovered as ways to work with this. Yes, it's so interesting. I really do believe that we as children um, kind of know what we need to do. We're hardwired for it. And, you know, people think it's weird or we're not encouraged to do it. Fortunately, my mom and dad thought it was a little weird, but I wasn't hurting anybody, so they let me do it. And I continue that practice all the way up through the beginning of high school. Wow. And I re- I thought everybody did that. I thought everybody did it. My sister started doing it with me. Um, and I realized, oh, not everybody does this. Maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should not talk about this. Mm. <laughs> so I di- I didn't. It was just something between myself you know, yeah, something I did and something my sister did. And that was the beginning of my moving my body, using my body to move me into a meditative state. And I believe that that really helped me to calm and center and bring my energy back to me where, um, because it was, I was usually really big and out there. And a couple of hours of that would bring me back to my center. Mm. I'm also, you just said something and, and I just, I keep jumping in and, and commenting because you're just saying, you're just dropping these jewels everywhere and I'm just like catching them. But, you know, something you just said that just really, really touched like lights on in my mind is you're using your body as the vehicle to this meditative state. And I think so many people go the opposite way that they try to think their way into a meditative state, that it's about leaving the body, about climbing up into the head and sitting on that, you know, that cushion and just ignoring everything. And I love that you're talking about embodiment as the means in, because I think that I, in my experience, the body is always, the body is the portal, the body is the doorway, the body is the way in. And whenever we try to, you know, dissociate from it, 
uh, well, you know, um, like we, we get ourselves into a fine mess, which is kind of where we're at as a planet right now, or at least as a civilization. But um, so I just love that you were talking about using the body as the way in. Yes, I yeah. believe that we can meditate without going into some quiet, quiet um, bliss state. Um, I actually also share um, in some of my classes and workshops, um, working with rattles um, and moving rattles, moving with rattles to move yourself into an altered state, specifically with two hands. There's something different about working with hand-shaped rattles in both hands versus just one. And yes. that is another movement exercise that can really move you into an altered state, which I get jazzed about because literally the power to do that is in our hands. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And you're talking about that ability to, you know, the difference between sort of the unilateral experience with the one rattle versus holding two rattles in either hand. And just that experience of working with both sides of the body. What a difference. Yeah. So you were talking about, you know, you were saying your childhood was really intense. Um, and it sounds like you were like, I'm curious, what's your zodiac sign? Are you a fire sign by any chance? Or are you? I'm very drawn to fire, but I'm not a fire sign. I'm an air sign. I'm a Libra. Ah, okay. Okay. With a Pisces rising. Wow. Wow. But very, but a lot of dynamic, fiery energy for you and just really, you know, a lot of like processing through the body. So in addition to being this um, very active, very physical, very energized child who was processing the energy of the world around her through her body, how else was childhood intense? Childhood was, was intense for, yeah, for a lot of other reasons too. Yeah. I was um, very emotional mm -hmm. and uh, there was not a lot of support around me to tell me, to teach me how to work with my emotion. So I struggled with that a lot. Yeah. It got me into trouble. Um, I was all right in school, but at home it got me into trouble. I had trouble with friendships because my emotions were so intense I didn't know what to do with them. As I grew, um, I went through a phase where I just stuffed them all, mm -hmm. found myself sick. That's a whole nother story. And then I learned how to I learned how to work with work with my feelings so that I could move energy, my own my own energy through me and suffer a lot less. I had and to how, that to myself. How old were you by the time? I mean, it sounds like, as you said, that's a whole other story. And I it also seems to me that. Um, the body is the vehicle, whether it is through positive action or through a health crisis or something else that teaches that that leads us to the next place. So um, how old were you when you have started to when your health started to go sideways? And I'd love if you're comfortable, I'd love to hear about that. Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah. So when I was a teenager, all I was stuffing a lot of my emotion, mm -hmm. stuffing a lot of what was happening in my environment at home, yeah. and um, a lot of my anger, I was stuffed, like every stuffing it. Yeah. So I got to be about 14 or 15, and it all kind of, I threw up all over the place, so to say. 
and um, had like a mental and emotional health crisis. And the mainstream, you know, medical didn't know what to do with me. There was no holistic approach for me. So the only answer they knew was to put me on some medication, which spun me out even further and was Mm -hmm. a big mess and told me I'd need to be on this medication for the rest of my life. Oh my goodness. I was like, Oh, hell no, this is not happening. There's nothing wrong with me. Right. And I started on my path of understanding myself. I found at the same time, I kind of woke up to my purpose. I was about 17 Mm. and I found my spiritual path and decided for myself what was going to be happening in this body. Um, And there was a lot of angst, a lot of pain, a lot of a lot of suffering that went on for quite a few years until I took the reins and yeah. said, okay, I'm going to walk this path the way that I want to. Yeah. Well, and it seems like that is one of the stories that I've heard from so many people about the turning, pivoting their life or turning it around is that the decision to take the reins to become, as one of my mentors would say, to be your own rescue that as long as we're waiting for some external thing to get better or for somebody or something to come along and rescue us, it just, you know, we're just keep going down that, you know, kind of going down the rabbit hole. And it really is when we take our, take the, take our own reins and say, I am willing to do what I need to do to make this better, that it really shifts. So I'm imagining that taking, you were saying you're about 17 when you, you sort of started to take take the reins. I'm imagining that it was a process from 17 forward in terms of like taking the reins and understanding that. Yeah, it was definitely a process. Yeah. And I think that I didn't fully understand what I had been through or what was happening for me as a child until I was like well into my 20s and even my early 30s. Oh, yeah. Putting all the pieces together. Yeah, absolutely. I am... I would say that there have been things that only into my 50s did I really start to grasp the magnitude of certain things, but also to realize, wait a second, that wasn't normal behavior. That was strange. That was kind of like, oh, other people don't experience that. And so it seems like those revelations just keep on coming. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I find that as well. Yeah. Um, the more work that I do on myself, the more, I mean, and anytime you're teaching and helping other people, your right. own work is constantly in process. Right, so right, I'm, right. I find the same thing too. Yeah. So you're in your 20s and you're you're navigating this. You're starting to find you've chosen to take up, you have a sense of your purpose. Um, did you do the conventional, like, did you do college? Did you try to get like a standard job? Did you do all of the things that you're quote supposed to do unquote? Like, um, what was that like? I did none of those things. Awesome. I definitely paid a price for it. Yep. When you go against the social norms, boy, yeah, you get pushed around just and made to feel like you're not good enough. Yes. Um, So I, I'm a natural helper. Yes. I've been a helper all my life. Work, I've worked with children and teens and um, school, like studying in traditional school did not work for me. Mm-hmm. I did mm-hmm. attempt to go to college for social work because um, social work and therapy, like that's my arena. Yes. And I just was not jiving with the process. 
Yes. So I took a different route and um, was educated in the spiritual realms. Mm-hmm. I became, um, I took training. Uh, I met my shamanic teachers. I met uh, teachers in energy healing and energy modalities. I became an interfaith minister and then um, moved on to become, um, to go further in the ministerial program and got a master's, a metaphysical master's. And I took that route. Yeah. Yeah. Meantime, the skills that I have, and I do believe that we can use and share our skills in the world without having a college degree. I went to work for a domestic violence agency. I did prevention mm. education in the schools. I became the um, children's advocate at the shelter, and I did a lot of advocacy and counseling there. And then I moved into working with uh, traumatized teens at a residential facility. Mm. So in the mainstream world, I have a lot of experience in mental health and trauma. Mm-hmm. And as I was, you know, delving into my spiritual learning and my, uh, my method of schooling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and what I'm, you know, the thing I'm hearing is that while you did not go the conventional route of college and going for earning a conventional degree, you did pursue education. You did work with mentors. You did train with shamans. You did do things that taught you how to do this. And I think that's the thing. It's like, while you recognized that conventional college was not not the way your brain worked best, you you didn't avoid learning. You just pursued it in a way that would allow you to learn better. And I mean, I certainly think that apprenticeships and mentorships and the opportunities to work one-on-one or in small groups, I personally have preferred trainings and apprenticeships and programs that I've done to develop my chops as a healer much more than the stand, you know, the approach that they have in college and, you know, and graduate school and everything, because it's so much more, so often the trainings or the apprenticeships are so much more tailored to your individual needs as opposed to, okay, today it's Tuesday, you're going to write an essay on blah, blah, blah. So, but I really just want to hold out or hold up. Like I'm hearing, like, it's not that you're just like, well, I was a high priestess in Egypt in like another lifetime. And so I don't need to do anything in this lifetime because I have all the knowledge because the codes were downloaded for me. Um, And that's where I personally, as a Capricorn sun with Virgo rising, and also I'm a, you know, um, I'm a master trainer for EFT International. So I credit, I do accreditation with people for NEFT. That's where I do come up against like, are you willing to jump through the hoops? Because I don't think anybody can just know how to do things like there's we we form in a community. We learn in a community. We we are and, and other people can hold us accountable. So I really hear you saying you did the work. You just did it. You just did it in a way that worked better for you than going to university. Yes, very well said. Yeah, I'm just out of curiosity since because I also have a background in shamanic healing. <laughs> Who did you study with? Yeah, my teachers are Becky Shining Bearheart and Crow Swims Away. And awesome. They, yeah, we're in Ohio. Uh-huh. Many years that I worked with them, and now Crow has crossed over, and Becky is teaching in Ithaca, New York. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. I started working my original. I started initially working with Sylvia. And then I, there are a pair of Allie and Evie who have a, who, whose business or whose organization is called Spirit Passages. And they're out of here in Maine, but they do a two year long um, shamanic apprenticeship, um, which was really wonderful that I got a lot out of. So so, I, I think I've heard, yeah. I've heard of spirit passages. Yeah. 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 Allie and Evie have been around for quite a while. I believe they originally studied with Michael Harner way, way, way back in the day and everything. And they keep their classes very small, very intimate. Um, you know, it's like, and, and it's very immersive, which is, I think the best way to do it. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. So you were talking about, so um, were you living in Ohio for a period of time? Did you? I did work? not live in Ohio. We no. were blessed, a very small group of us. I used to live in Pennsylvania. I grew uh-huh. up in Pennsylvania. That our teachers would come to us for weekends and extended weekends. Oh. And um, they would teach, do healing work, and be with us. And then there were times where we went out to them. Mm-hmm. So that went on. I worked with them for about 13 years in that way. And then did advanced work. So I really believe in and have experience in like a long relationship with the teachers. Yes. Um, Yes. And I'm still in relationship. I went back even for more training with Becky. So it's been over 20, 25 years that I have been in relationship with her. And I feel really blessed for that. Mm. I am. You're you just shared something that I think is some is we don't talk about this a lot anymore because everybody, you know, we're in such a consumerist culture. And also like, I just see people like jumping from mentor to mentor or coach to coach. And, you know, I got the thing that I needed from that person. And now I'm going to move on and get the thing from this person. And I love that you are like, there's, there's strength in that longevity. There's strength in that relationship because you know, there's just something so important about that. And of course, within working within the shamanic traditions, it would make complete sense that, I mean, honoring our ancestors, honoring our elders, um, honoring the legacies and the traditions that have come before us, all of this is just so incredibly important. Yeah. It really is important. Yeah. I, yes. And I yeah. find that in this sort of hot, fast, quick you know, um, vibe that we're living in, people want to take a quick weekend workshop and throw these different titles up. And um, there's a lot of cherry picking that is going on. And I feel like that, that people don't always have access to a quality teacher that is around and available. So we need more of that. We need more of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. It makes all the difference in your learning and in your belief in yourself. Right. Right, right. Well, and somebody who's willing to challenge you to do the things you need to do so that you actually know what you're doing. You know, that it's like, it's one thing to take a weekend training. It's another thing to go through the rigors of practice sessions and writing case studies and taking you know, taking a, at least a multiple choice exam that says you have a clue what you've just been taught um, or having some kind of an oral convert, you know, some kind of a conversation to confirm that you know it. And it's, you know, there are so many people nowadays who do do these weekend workshops and come away with like a certificate that says, I am now trained in this. And it's like, really? Um, you know, have you jumped through any hoops about this? So, yeah, yeah. So incredibly important. 
I could I could go down an entire rabbit hole about this one just because it really is it, it's something I feel very passionate about. And one thing I actually have really seen in the last 25, and I imagine you've been around long enough that you've also seen this too, is that it used to be like, you know, 30, 40 years ago, if somebody was like people cared about credentials, people cared about like what lineage and where was somebody coming from and what did they know. And then it got to this point where, I don't know, maybe, maybe like 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, where somebody's capacity to market themselves was more important than what their skill sets were. And, and what I've noticed is that you get a lot of people who've got really great branding and really slick marketing skills who know how to, you know, do the call to action and, and get people engaged. And then people are willing to, and then people come in and, you know, will spend lots of money on these things with people who may or may not have any real level of training. There are a couple of, I'm not going to mention any names. Yeah. I'll do that. There are yeah. a couple of big name, popular new age, we would call them gurus. Yes. Who ride on the tails of their or their people's marketing experience. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. Yeah, they're they're just they are marketed really, really well. And there's nothing really super special about what they're offering. Right, right, right. So I guess what I want to say is I really hear that you understand the importance of lineage, that you understand the importance of honoring your ancestors, of honoring your teachers, of honoring your elders, and of putting in the time and of doing the work. So (laughs) props to you, sister. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for doing what needs to be done. Yeah, yeah. thank you. You're, it sounds like, you know, yeah. you're doing the same thing. And that's yeah. really, we're, we're, it's really important that we do. Yeah, it really is. And I think it's also important to sort of share with people like, hey, there's, a, there's another way to do this. It may be a little bit more painful because you don't get the shiny object at the end of the weekend, but it is going to mean that you are going to be able to make a difference in this world in a way that if you just go and do the shiny, the shiny tree, you know, training for one weekend, you're not necessarily going to have the grounding in the work. But getting back to you, you were talking about how you were working, you sort of were led into the path of mental health and trauma work and everything. So I'm imagining you were working in agencies and doing human service work for a period of time. Did you... Do you still do that? Did you transition away from that into just all spiritual healing? What happened? Yes. So about 10 years ago, I was really pulled to take my my healing work further into the world because I could only share a limited amount of um, my full capacity with people in the system. You know, I do believe that the system is upgrading and they're encouraging more holistic modalities, more spiritual modalities. That's great. We're not completely there yet. We are getting there. And and so I knew that I needed to, in order to really bring it, I needed to leave and make a business for myself and do it that way. So I left, um, I left my job in mental health and pursued, you know, self-employment. I never meant to be an entrepreneur, but I kind of needed to figure out how to be an entrepreneur because to sustain yourself, the universe doesn't send you plenty and plenty and plenty and plenty of clients and students. You actually have to learn some marketing skills. So that was a hard, cold wake up for me. Yes, um, yes, yes. 
<laughs> and I've, I've invested a lot of time, effort, energy, and money into learning how to um, market myself in a way that I'm, I am a resource for people. Right. And when you're a resource, people naturally want to do more work with you. Yes. I don't want to be selling or doing anything that feels like, um, I don't know, hustle culture and all of that. So I've, yes. I've found, and I'm always getting you know more information around it, I found a way to um, market myself in a way that feels aligned for me. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I think the thing is that you know, talking about that dichotomy between people who really have slick marketing skills and people who are really talented but don't have any marketing skills, it seems sadly that there are many very gifted healers and practitioners who are in that category of they don't have a clue how to market themselves and they also don't know how to communicate about what they do. And that is one of the big problems that I've seen is, and I certainly, I mean, I remember when I first came across the concept of, quote, elevator speech, unquote, you know, it's like you're at a party, somebody goes, so what do you do? And it's just like deer in the headlights. It just, I help people get unstuck. And it's like, what do you even mean by that? And so I really hear you. I also absolutely had, I personally had the experience when I was, going in my previous life as a tattooer, because I did that for 20 years. Yeah. Um, like from 90. Yeah. It's it whole other story. And this is your show. Not This is your, your story. But what I was going to say is that I came to the realization that if I wanted to do my heart's desire, if I wanted to do my work, I had to understand how to run it as a business. And I had to understand that I was going to need to do the grunt work of running it as a business and not just sort of sit around and wait for the universe to just deliver the goods. Like I had to be willing to do what needed to be done. And it sounds like you had a very similar kind of rude awakening where, but for me, it was sort of like the, well, you can, you can do it. You can do this kind of work and do what you want to do, or you could do that kind of work and do something completely unrelated, but you're still going to have to do the work. So I was kind of like, okay, I'll help. I'll, I'll go for, I'll do the work so that I can do what I love. And it sounds like that was what you did. Yeah. That's what I did. And yeah. the reason why I developed a healers collective was yeah. because I realized, and the Healers Collective is a six-month training program to help healers learn how to talk about what they do, how to understand concepts of marketing that's aligned with your heart, and how to really become a resource so that you can have make a living for yourself. Um, the whole reason why I created that was not because I wanted to teach the healers business, was because I spent a lot of money and a lot of time learning this and I had no clue I was supposed to do like learn this. Mm -hmm. And if I would have known earlier, if a program like Healers Collective was available like 15 years ago, I would have saved myself a lot of hard. A lot of, yeah. So I'm somebody who's a helper and I like to offer what has worked for me so that, you know, it can save somebody some grief. And that's why I, yeah. that's why I created the Healers Collective. Mm, awesome. Well, and it is and a place where working with people who really get what you, you know, get it like there is something like you can kind of go over into some of those marketing and, and coaching and training programs 
um, for sort of the not, you know, for for the less woo people. And even now there are a number of programs and trainings that are geared towards those of us who are more woo. But I think that having a place where it's like you've been through it, you know what it's about, you you are able to share that. So I always I mean, I am thinking I'd love to ask you just sort of, you know, there's that process of so you made the decision to walk away from the job and to go into self-employment. And as you as we've been alluding to, it was a little bit of a rude awakening. Um, like, what was that process like for you? How long did it take? Did Were there points where you were just like, what the ever loving F did I do to myself? Why did I decide this? Like, like, did you have moments of doubt? Did you have moments of backpedaling? Um, how long? And how long did it take to go from there to there? Yes, I did have moments and I was so committed, so committed to the work that I just stuck with. I mean, financially, I tanked a whole bunch of stuff in my life just went down the tubes at the same time. But I was like, I am doing this. I'm going to figure out how to do this. And it started with an online program on how to, um, well, a couple of online programs, but one of the first ones was around how to enroll people into your work. It Mm -hmm. was a completely new concept for me and it moved me out of single sessions and into helping people over a long period of time, which is where the big, big change is. That changed everything for me. And then I did another program and that, you know, one built on the other and I've been investing in my business ever since. Yes. Um, and there have been, um, there were moments where I had a little doubt and like moments where I was a little bit resentful mm-hmm. that I had to actually go learn a whole nother career yes. to, to do what I'm good at. And sometimes, honestly, I feel like I'm working just to work. Yes. I'm doing all this work just so that I can share my gifts. So I yes. do get a little resentful sometimes, not going to lie. Yes. And I am pretty proud of myself that as somebody who did not have a background in business, that I pulled it together, made it happen. And I'm pretty ta- ta- figured out what I needed to do to make it work. Awesome. 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 So as you were speaking about this, I was thinking of how one of the things I really had to get over was the past life memories of being, um, being a healer in temples where I would get up in the morning, I'd say my morning prayers, they'd feed me a bowl of porridge and I would go and I'd work all day. And then at the end of the day, I'd go and I'd have dinner and I'd have, you know, we'd have, or we'd have prayers and meditation and then have dinner. And then I would like have a little bit of quiet time for myself. And then I go to sleep and I had nothing to do with the money. I had nothing to do with the marketing. I just was there doing my work and people would be brought to me and I would just show up for it. And I had to really like, I had to like really kind of like go, yeah, that was nice. And that was the way it was then, but it is not the way it is now. And if you keep on trying to get that to happen, you're not going to be able to do your work. So for me, I really had to, so as you were speaking about that part of you, that's kind of resentful where you're just like, do I really have to do all this marketing thing? That was something that I really, I really had to come to terms with because of the fact that there have been lives where all I had to do was show up and do the work. There was another infrastructure set up to handle it. 
I would love that. That would yeah. be my dream. Wouldn't it be awesome? Yes. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe in this life, maybe things will shift where we will, we'll have these, you know, we'll, we'll have these temples again and people will just be like, go to the temple, bring a goat. All is good. At least for right now, it seems like there is that, that piece of how do we take the marketing? How do we take this work and make it aligned? And what I've been noticing lately, I've been doing a lot of TikTok videos. Like I've just been recording and talking a lot about all things empathic. And what I've been noticing is that I'm doing it from a place of delight and fun, not from a place of obligation. And it doesn't feel like work. It's just fun. And, and it's really about sharing resources and about sharing information, not about like, here's a thing. Will you please buy it from me? And what a difference that makes. Makes a yeah. huge difference. Yeah. Plus your energy is going to, you're going to be in a different place when you're doing it from a place of joy. Exactly. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So the Healers Collective sounds like an amazing resource for people. And it really sounds like, you know, you've been developed your chops. You know what you're talking about so that you can really give other people who want to be sharing their work in the world uh, some real serious support. Talk about Soul Path programs. What is that? Yeah, so Soul Path programs are the are programs that I offer to help people get in touch with their soul. I mm. believe that the power of that there's a power. I believe that our soul has all the information that we need, and that when we get in touch with it, we can heal ourselves. We can move through different obstacles. We can get in touch with spirit, the divine, the all knowing. Um, and so I call my programs soul path programs because my programs help people to align with the path of their soul. Mm. And so I have one-on-one -on -one work that I share with people where I do a combination of coaching and teaching and shamanic medicine sessions so that they are healing and they're also learning how to get information for themselves how to work with their own energy so that their whole world is opened up and transformed instead of just receiving a healing session. Yes. So yes that's my yes. work in a one-on-one -on -one way. And then I have right. group programs and immersions where we meet. Um, I do online and in-person group immersions that have different focuses. Nice. Um, nice. The upcoming one that I'll be doing is um, around sound healing, but not sound healing from the perspective of gongs and crystal bowls. It's about getting in touch with the sound inside of you and bringing it out oh. because mm. that is what we, is something we can use for healing. And it's not anything that I see anybody else teaching. So again, being in touch with your body and the vibration inside of you to help you grow. Yes. As opposed to just that constant, just so fascinating, just thinking about the body as the vehicle, as opposed to the ways that we are constantly looking to the external that we're looking, you know, even the idea of like crystal bowls and um, gongs and things like that versus just allowing the sounds to, you know, bubble up from within us. What a difference. Yes. And I have certainly experienced some remarkable sound healing, sound healing people and people who do work with crystal bowls. I have a friend who is just an amazing, just spectacular um, crystal bowl healer. He channels the angels when he does these sessions, like you go out. Um, so they, there's power in that, but it's a very different experience. Like it sounds to me like what you're working with is almost like this experience of like, 
going in and bringing that out as opposed to at least in my experience, the sound healing, you know, the book, you know, with crystal bowls and everything is more like I just go out. Like it's more of a journey and traveling outside of myself. Yeah. I think both are really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that the power of the sound inside of us, uh, when we finally, when we're able to open to it, we can then use it to heal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you spoke about uh, you said something that I think is, it's, I agree with completely about the game changer for you as a healer, going from one-off sessions and kind of that, that attitude of like, you know, people come in, they, they do an hour with you or an hour and a half with you or two hours with you, whatever. And then, you know, it's kind of like one and done, <laughs> you know, thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. And versus the idea of creating a container, the idea of really following through with that. And um, I'd love to hear what your experience with that is and why why you feel strongly about it, why it feels like this is an important piece of the work. Yeah, well, when I do used to do single sessions, I would have folks who would come once every six months. Mm-hmm. And the healing work that they received was um, really helpful but they hadn't made any changes in their life. And I was like, oh, I felt like I'm revisiting the same material every single time. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to work with people who actually want to make a change in their life. Yes. And so that's how it started. And I began to think, well, I have more than more to offer than just like this one healing session. I have all this experience and I can actually coach people and help them to make the changes they need and to actually create a space in their life where they can connect with spirit or their soul on their own. And to do that, I need a minute, you know, I need some time. So that inspired me to create a one-on-one program that was a couple of months long. Yeah. And then um, I, I, to, to train people to learn drum journey work or to learn to connect with their own guides and move into um, their own meditative states. I need some time and we need a container. And a weekend long container is really, really helpful because people can step out of their every day and come into an altered state for a whole entire weekend. And then they're expanded from the inside out and they take that expansion with them and share it. And so if we do that over multiple sessions, the difference between week, month one and month six is pretty profound. Pretty profound. Pretty profound. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I love big, I have big energy and I love big change. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what the way I love to work. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, it's, you love big energy and you love big change, but you also sounds like you really understand the importance of time and the importance of incremental steps with it so that it's not that kind of flashy uh, coaches who shall remain nameless um, experiences of paying you know ten thousand dollars to be at a four-day four-day event and supposedly your entire life is transformed like I'm really hearing like you you also you know that yes big change can happen within a weekend and big change is only sustained over time Yes. And integration. It is integration for any spiritual experience that there's integration time. And I see a lot of different programs, retreats, plant medicine workshops, and there's no integration time. It's one and done and bing, bang, boom. And people are left with their head spinning because they don't know how to integrate it. 
So when you when you have a container that's over six or nine months, people can integrate in between their live sessions. Exactly, exactly. Well, and I've also seen within some of the larger, these larger events, you know, the kind of the big rock star guru, teachers, trainers, coaches, you also have such large groups of people that you can have people falling through the cracks and that there is a way that it also seems like it's, it's just the containers, the containers do not allow for the nurturing that needs to happen in order for people to fully grow. And I'm not saying that these programs don't work for some people because some people's lives are completely transformed by choosing to invest and showing up. And, and it's like, it's just exactly the, you know, the aha moment that they needed or the lightning strike that they need and I really love that you're speaking about the importance of time for integration. Yeah. Yeah. So you also developed a communication technique. Say more. Yes. So I developed this through my own experience and practice. Mm -hmm. Probably about 20 years ago, I had um, some stomach problems that nobody could figure out. And usually if there's stomach stuff, um, they tell you it has to do with anxiety. So there was no real help for me and it was getting worse. And I, as, and I'm somebody who meditates, does energy work, does eats right, does all the right things. And this issue with my stomach was not shifting. And so there was a point where I surrendered and started to do deep communication with my organs mm -hmm. and this this method came from that. And so I incorporate a few different components and pieces and elements. And I teach people how to create a space where they can listen to the thing that is hurting them, whether it's something wrong in their body or uh, in their emotions, or it's a past relationship, so that this, we open up space for information to come through and then we can do what we need to do with it. So it's called sacred listening. Sacred and, listening. Um, it's listening in a way that we are using all of our senses. And we are able to hear, but not just with our ears. We're able to hear and receive what wants to be communicated so that we can heal. So with your stomach, was it anxiety? No. When you, yeah. No, it wasn't anxiety. What was happening was very, very interesting. Um, what was happening is it was my liver. Uh -huh. My liver was not producing, and it's just going to sound strange, but was not producing enough bile mm -hmm. to move things through. And so um, I wound up on a path where I discovered a naturopath who helped me figure this out. And once we got the right supplement in there, the thing that I had suffered from for 13 years shifted. Wow. And that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have a deep communication in the way that I did. Yes, yes, yes. I th It's so incredibly important to be listening to our bodies and follow those threads. I am so grateful personally for all of the, the times that I got a clue and it led me like I followed the breadcrumbs and it allowed me to heal because, um, I mean, the alternative, I just don't even want to think about it. Yeah. 
the mainstream medicine has its place. Yes, it does. I'm not someone who's anti. No, I'm not uh, either. Mainstream. And what I find, and the people who are drawn to me are people who have tried mainstream. They've yeah. tried alternative. They tried all of these things, and they cannot get a diagnosis or help. And yeah. that's where this type of work that I do comes in really helpful because it empowers them to find the pieces of information that they need to really heal. Yes. So yes, yes. And that's going to be needed more and more because the the we are outgrowing. Well, I believe we outgrew it a while ago. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the mainstream model. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We need more than the mainstream model. We need and and also I think we're outgrowing formulas. I was just recently listening to a book about, you know, the body speaking to us and then there was sort of a if this then this part of the book where it was talking about, you know, like anytime this happens it's about or it's usually about this. Anytime this happens it's usually about this. And I was finding myself being like, yeah, sometimes, but I don't always agree. And as you were saying, you know, even within sort of people being like, well, stomach issues are always always anxiety. And it's like, no, it's actually I'm not producing enough bile. I think even within sort of like that, we can get formulaic, we can kind of get empirical, even within the, the spiritual realms, when we start like attributing, you know, sort of like, go grab Louise Hayes, like, you know, Louise Hayes book, um, you oh, can God. heal your life. You can heal your life. No, it's the one it's her, it's her tiny book, the body symptom book. It's, it's, it's a different, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's like, all it is is body symptoms. It's like the whole book is just like, if this, then this, um, you know, and it's like, even with something like that, it's, it's a, it's maybe a hint, but sometimes the most important part of it is you read the description and you're like, that's not right. That's not me. That's not what's going on for me right now. Yes. I believe that the Louise Hay movement yeah. was helpful at the time. Yes. And plus we need to keep going because need to she keep was going. really like illuminating and sort of new thought and, you know, a new thought leader. And she brought all of this yummy stuff that we didn't have awareness around right. and we have to keep going because we have to keep that going. doesn't work for everybody. And I see people who are stuck because they're convinced that because they have a shoulder issue, it has something to do with the shoulds. And they get so locked into an agreement that that's the problem. And they're trying to fix it from that angle. But there's help actually and awareness is coming in from all other places, but they're convinced that that's the only reason, that's the only thing that is causing their shoulder pain. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we've outgrown her. We thank have you. outgrown Bless her. your soul, Louise Hay, but we have outgrown Thank you, her. Louise. Thank you, Louise. And thank you for being one of the first people who started saying, you know, if this, then this. Um, and like, what you know, but also just to be engaging in the inquiry of what is my body trying to tell me? What is my body expressing? What is my body talking about here? The other thing for me is... Um, the way Louise started us on, or really like, because I really see Louise as kind of like the grand, the great grandmother of affirmations. I mean, people like Florence Scovel Shin and Catherine Ponder, like there are people who are working with affirmations long before Louise Hay, but I feel like Louise Hay brought affirmations into the mainstream. But I also see even that as a challenge because a lot of times, if like there's an affirmation that you do not believe in, I personally believe 
believe it causes more cognitive dissonance for somebody if they are making an affirmation that they do not have purchased with than to just not even bother. And that the rigidity of some people is just like, it's my shudder. And I just have to say this affirmation over and over again. And and if it's not going, getting better, then there must be something else. Go, like, I must be like, I must have a block here. Like, I must be blocking it, you know? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. You are. I have this very similar experience. And I work with a lot of people who are, are stuck in that rotary. Yes. Yeah. Well, I told you that I was going to come to a point, Bridget, where I would say to you, oh my God, I cannot believe how fast the time has gone by. And we, we, we are just getting to that point. This conversation, I had no idea we were going to end up talking so much about, um, you know, just, I don't know, like the sort of like the relationship or the intersection between healing and business. Um, as we have, it felt like this was just sort of this divinely inspired conversation where spirit was like, you guys are going to talk about this today. Um, but I really want to be sure that you have a chance to share whatever feels really important to you. So what else, what, like, what would you kick yourself if you did not speak it today? I believe that the power to heal ourselves and to work with our own abilities is inside of us. And I think one of the keys, one of the major keys, and I know we didn't touch on this, but I know you understand this like I do. One of the major keys to healing ourselves and our planet is to learn how to move into altered states and how to create ceremony for ourselves and for community. That I think is one of my biggest messages ever. Learn how to move yourself into altered states, learn how to create ceremony for yourself and your people. Oh, well, and learning how to move into altered states and create ceremony for your people, for our people, without being intoxicated, without needing to turn to the drug, the food, the sex, the booze, you know, the any number of things that we seek, we seek alter, you know, it's like, we seek this one version of altered state over and over and over again, with all these self soothing methods. And yet what we really are needing is this other means of being in an altered state that you are speaking about. And I just, I love that you are bringing this up. And I love also that you are intersecting the ability to be in that numinous alter just magical space and that altered state of consciousness where we are able to perceive so much more and to create ceremony for ourselves and for our community and just the importance of that. Yes. And thank you for naming that altered states happen when we work with our body's natural rhythms and repetitive movement and dance. We do not need to um, depend on forces outside of ourselves or substances to move into altered states. Thank you for verbalizing that because yeah. I didn't say that. And that's really important. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Well, and I mean, I am a fan of frequency medicine. I am a fan of using particular kinds of um, things, external things to help entrain my system so that I can enter in. And I am also as an EFT practitioner and somebody who does a lot of um, deep like trance work as well. I am a very strong believer in 
the, you know, some of the most powerful ways to go there is through our own body and through, through that. So I love, I just love that you are, are sort of that this is the thing that you are sharing here at the end of this. So if you have listened to any of my shows, you've probably heard me do this before. And my listeners are all like, okay, we know what's coming next. So I really believe that podcasts are something that exists outside of time. They exist for perpetuity. You know, they will exist long after you and I are done with this conversation. You and I might be dead when people will still be listening to this. And I also believe, though, that they have a way of not only rippling out into the future, but they have a way of sort of being able to fold over on time and reach out into the past. And so what I believe is that we are broadcasting messages and we can not only broadcast messages to our future, to the future, but we can also reach back and connect with our past self. And so what I always love to do is I love to have my guest think about a a part of ourselves or a time in our life when, or a time in your life, when you really needed a message, when you really needed support. And I would love to hear, I'd love if you want to just share, talk to her, tell us when you're going back to, and what does she need to hear? Probably she's three. That part of me is three. And she needs to hear that even though they don't know what to do with you, you are exactly perfect and you keep doing exactly what you're doing because there are other people who will know what to do with what you have. I just had this image of like this little girl going, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because the shining lady told me to. And like, just imagine like, this is the message that allowed you to keep on rolling your head back and forth all those years and to just keep going. So Bridget, how do people get in touch with you? People can get in touch with me. Um, My name um, is pretty much my handle everywhere. The website is BridgetMurphy.com, spelled B-R-I-G-H-I-D, Murphy, M-U-R-P-H-Y. On um, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all the things, it's Bridget Murphy Healing. Great, great, great. And we will have this information in the show notes so that you guys can come and find Bridget and find all of her social stuff and everything like that. Bridget, this conversation has just gone by like that. And it has just been so delicious. And so, oh, like, I mean, you and I could talk, I'm sure uh, we could talk. And uh, if if we weren't doing something publicly, I imagine some names might be flying around as well. <laughs> um, if this just really has been so, so, so delicious. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I have enjoyed every drop of our conversation. Thank you. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to empathicmasteryshow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm, and... While you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And 
Thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery show airs. Okay, one last time. Hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your empathic safety guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.